How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the latest Mirror Football Podcast and congratulations to all of you, you have got through the international break. The Premier League is back and it is back with a bang this weekend as Liverpool take on Manchester United, a huge fixture uh, to get us going. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan hosting this podcast once again uh, alongside James Whalen and Alex Richards. Uh, how are we doing guys? All good, all good. Looking forward to the return of domestic football. Oh, absolutely. However, before we do talk Premier League, uh, we are going to talk briefly about the internationals. Uh, a lot of the World Cup landscape, if you like, is now decided. From a European perspective, Wales will not be there. Uh, defeat to Ireland means that Ireland are going into the playoff round. We di- Let's be honest, last week, Alex, you especially, we were quite dismissive of Ireland's chances. Thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, uh, but Ireland were brilliant, and let's be honest, Wales couldn't do it without Gareth Bale. Yeah, so I think going into the game, um, Wales were obviously pretty big favourites to seal that second spot in the group, um, just because they only needed a point at home to Ireland, and um, you know, it was. I don't think, but um, well, I personally didn't didn't quite rule out Ireland's chances, but. I, I was giving the edge to Wales, uh, but like you said, they did struggle without Gareth Bale. Um, Ireland turned in what was a, a pretty professional performance, I think, um, probably second best in the first half, but uh, managed to to get through to half-time goalless. And then uh, you know a moment of absolute madness from Ashley Williams. Um, you know, not had the greatest start to the season for Everton, and he's he's turned in a, another mistake, if you like, on the international stage. That being said, wonderful goal, great ball across, lovely dummy at the front post, and uh, a cracking finish from from James McLean. And you know, I think uh, we were watching it together, Aaron, and, and we commented on how good it is to see uh, when away fans are congregated behind a goal, and it's a goal of that magnitude. How brilliant it is to see. And uh, you know they obviously uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and Ireland have got themselves into a playoff. No, absolutely, it was a balmy scenes uh, behind the net uh, from the travelling fans in Cardiff. Uh, Ireland Wales wasn't the only dramatic game during this past week, uh, World Cup wise. South America and Central America, uh, if you like, was a pretty crazy conclusion to the World Cup qualifying campaigns or or conclusion of the standard group stage. Uh, Alex, Messi has done it again Argentina through by the skin of their teeth was it ever in doubt? Well after about 45 seconds yes um, went a goal down very early on and you had to question whether it was going to be a night of tears um, and then the little man stepped up and showed why he is the best player possibly ever um, brilliant individual performance from him three goals Argentina in the World Cup after what has been a real struggle in qualifying um, but they've made it elsewhere in South America Brazil rattled past Chile who fall out and will not be at next year's finals um, 3-0 they were beaten in Sao Paulo really disappointing night for them um, Alexis Sanchez won't be going helped well not helped as the case may be by his Arsenal teammate David Espina um, Peru needed a goal to get into the playoff and uh, Paulo Guerrero decided to shoot from an indirect free kick ball's going in if no one touches it it wouldn't be a goal instead of Spina tries to make the save gets a hand on it pushes it into his own net and that's Chile done yeah, now I've actually seen this, I've actually seen that goal and I actually have to say from a Spina's perspective if he's getting a hand on it he's got to save it anyway um, so I mean it, it would have been you know a rep- I think what's the restart if- it's, I think it's the a free kick in the other it's direction. In, indirect free kick in the other direction. Yeah, uh, um, but you know he, he, he should be saving. He should, it. He should anyway. have saved it. He's, he he got a decent palm on it and mm. flimsy wrists pushed it into the side of his own net. Um, it was interesting though that all the way through the referee had his arm in the air to indicate it was an indirect free kick. 
The ball goes in and straight away the Columbia player nearest to the referee. He's saying to him, your arm's in the air, it's indirect, it's not a goal. And the referee, eagle-eyed, instantly pointed out, your keeper's touched it. Yeah. No, fair, fair play to the referee uh, for that one. Just going back to Argentina um, briefly, obviously they have, in my opinion, the best player in the world, the best player of all time uh, at their disposal, but they are perennial runners-up. Uh, five Copper Americas in a row they've finished as runners-up, or not competitions in a row, but when they've got to the final. They've also finished runners-up of the World Cup quite recently, 2014. Can this Argentina team go all the way and win the World Cup? With Lionel Messi, they've always got a chance. Um, but it's going to take a hell of a lot of work on the training ground in the lead-up to that tournament. The defence simply, as soon as pressure is put on it, is shaky. Um, the midfield doesn't keep the ball well enough and is a bit slow in central areas. I don't think they've fully embraced Sampaoli's ideas yet. I don't think he has fully nailed down exactly what he wants. Um, it's going to be very difficult for them next summer. I think there are much better teams going to the finals. Germany, Spain, Brazil. They have a chance with Messi, but that's it. And they're thankful to have that chance. Uh, interesting enough, if you're going to look at the odds for World Cup victory next season, Argentina are now 8-1. to one. They were 10-1 to one, uh, to win the World Cup before the last qualifier. I don't know whether that's the Lionel Messi influence or whether the fact they've actually just made the finals. Uh, but their price has dropped as a result. You mentioned uh, Germany, Brazil and Spain in there. Germany the favourites at fives. Uh, Brazil at six. What are France? Uh, seven for Spain. France, you can get six to one. Actually, yeah, you can get six to one on France. Um, do, do you fancy France? No. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I'm wondering because they. I watched the game against Belarus the other night, and they were really fortunate to win two one. Um, uh, and that was on the back of obviously that nil nil with Luxembourg last month. Yeah. Really, they've got all the players. They've got so much depth, so much talent there. I'm not sure Didier Deschamps knows his best 11 I'm not sure that they are ready to really contend next summer uh, elsewhere the CONCACAF is that how you pronounce it? CONCACAF? CONCACAF CONCACAF uh, the North and Central America qualifying was also completed um, Mexico were already there they're probably the best team to come out of that group uh, but that's absolutely not what any of us are talking about uh, first of all, a huge congratulations to Panama, uh, who are going to be making their first appearance at a World Cup final, and big, huge props to the ball boy for lumping <laughs> the ball away uh, as far as he could. I mean, I mean, let's just quickly on Panama. That's a tremendous story, and with a late goal, the Barmy scenes, the celebration, the commentary. I mean, that, that was just great, wasn't it? Yeah, wonderful, and you know, like you say, it's a great story for a country of that size and that stature to um, make it all the way to Russia. Uh, what I would. Um, what I would encourage people to go and watch if they haven't as well as the ball boy booting the ball away is Panama's first goal in that game should have never have stood uh, the ball at no point crosses the line uh, it goes very close and then actually goes wide of the post uh, it was a, a, a ghost goal like we saw at Reading um, yeah. was it Reading Charlton was it? Reading while? Watford Reading Watford mm. yeah it's very similar to that um, so yeah stroke of luck but uh, yeah, fully deserved it over, over the course. Stroke of luck, which has put them through and, and um, knocked the Americans out. Yeah, but I think I think it's fully deserved over the course of the cam- over the course of the campaign. I think the USA, um, out of all the sort of big nations around the world, probably have the easiest route to to qualifying for a World Cup, and for them not to make it is a an utter travesty on their point of view. Well, not if you ask Bruce Arena. He he was uh, in the build up to their game in Trinidad. He said, "I would love to see some of these European hotshots." come and try North American qualifying that's all well and good if you uh, actually get your team through you can be that bullish but three wins in ten games for them not good enough nowhere near good enough for a country of that side size resources dismal yeah. Yeah, uh, from the that qualifying group Mexico won the group Costa Rica are back at the World Cup obviously Panama have qualified Honduras have the chance uh, to qualify they will take on Australia for a place at the World Cup finals uh, before we leave international football there was a little bit of breaking news uh, earlier today uh, we're recording on Thursday afternoon and just before we came down we found out that Gordon Strachan uh, has left his position as Scotland manager uh, Strachan 
almost turned it round quite spectacularly and got Scotland to uh, a playoff. Um, do we feel that though it was probably the right decision for you know Scotland to try something new? I think so. I think it feels quite natural for him to move on and for Scotland to look in a different direction. Um, you know, it hasn't been the worst qualifying campaign in the world for Scotland. This they got close, but ultimately they've missed out again. Um, I was actually pretty surprised they kept him on after the Euros qualifying campaign. For them not to even make a playoff when the um, tournament was extended to twenty-four teams um, must have been a huge disappointment for them. Um, and you know, ultimately he will be judged on trying to get Scotland to a tournament. And in his tenure of I think four years. They've not, they've not managed it. They've not even managed the playoffs. So I think while they've had good moments across those um, few years, ultimately it will be looked back on as, as a bit of a failure, I think. The favourite to take the Scotland job now is former Manchester United, Everton and Real Sociedad boss David Moyes. And Sunderland. Don't think and, it's Sunderland. And Sunderland, but I'm sure even he's trying to forget that one. <laughs> um, five to two, the price with Bet Victor. Um, for David Moyes uh, as the favourite would this be the right job for David Moyes to step back into management for and obviously we mentioned Sunderland he had a bit of a nightmare in his last job I'm not really sure what sort of job um, he can get feasibly yeah, after that Sunderland spell um, he did a great job at Everton of course but it's been a real downward turn since then and the Sunderland job just stunk of um, a manager who was lacking in ideas didn't know how to get the best out of players. They were over reliant on Jermaine Defoe. Um, I would see him taking that job if offered, because I don't think he'll get a club job in the Premier League. Yeah. There was an interesting interview um, in the Mirror um, last past week with David Moyes, where he said on his time at Manchester United, nobody would have done uh, a better job than him at that moment. And this is, you know, he's taking United from champions down to seventh place. Um, Worryingly delusional. I can think of a number of people to suggest done better. Pep Guardiola or Jose Mourinho wouldn't mm. have finished higher than seventh. Is quite an insult. I, think. I, I mean, I have to have a little bit of sympathy with him. The squad was aging. He needed a whole re- regeneration of the squad. But I mean, but he's got hundreds, the team, hundreds the team, of millions of pounds to spend. Yeah, and the team wouldn't have been able to do that. And the team won the league a matter of. A couple of months before, do, do, do we think that Manchester United's almost struggles for the last few years have been on the back of that one season trying to recover from that, or is it yes on, on the back of Moyes? Can we say it was Moyes' fault? As you say, I think there were aging players there as well, and that the team did need, if not a complete overhaul, it needed freshening up. But I think the job Louis Van Hall had coming in after Moyes was far more difficult than what Moyes had going in after Ferguson. That's fair enough. Uh, back to Scotland, uh, Malky McCarney, uh, another contender, at three to one. Derek uh, McInnes and Alex McLeish already in there. Um, who do we fancy? Do we think Moyes is going to be the, the one for that job? I think Moyes will take yeah, it if offered. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, international football done. We don't have to worry about international football uh, for another four, five weeks or so. Um, November tenth, England v Germany. And we'll come back to it then, um, when no doubt we'll all be dead excited for the World Cup uh, once again. Now, Premier League. We start with the big one. Liverpool versus Manchester United. It's one of the biggest games in the Premier League. It's one of the fiercest as well. Um, Manchester United have had a stunning start to the season, scoring loads of goals. Liverpool struggling defensively. Surely this is only going to go one way. I don't. <laughs> the silence says you don't. You don't particularly agree with me. I think I. I think United will win. Actually, thinking about it, I think um, the the confidence that Manchester United are playing with, uh, the man they've got up front who cannot stop scoring goals, um, the midfield he's got behind him in great form as well. Um, I think if I had to pick a winner here or a draw for that matter, I think I think I'm leaning towards towards United just because the form they're in Liverpool have got as we've said so many times a plethora of attacking talent and if they do click they, they're capable of blowing teams away but um, as we sit here now you know, they've, they've struggled in recent weeks before the international break 
Um, so yeah, and and they've of course lost Sadio Mane, which is a huge blow. Yeah, well, see, we mentioned Mane. Is is Mane Liverpool's best player? Can, can can we now firmly say that they have lost their best player for a prolonged period of time? I'm not sure if he's their best player, but I think he might be their most important in terms of what he brings different to the team and and the pace and the decisiveness in in the final third that he brings. Um, I think it'd be interesting how both managers play this because how does Jurgen Klopp alter his side without Mane? Does that mean he pushes Coutinho further forwards and brings in a more a more not defensive but hard working midfielder and give Coutinho more attacking freedom? Or does he bring in a, another forward and keep Coutinho in that central area playing deeper? Um, and on the opposite side Jose Mourinho without Paul Pogba without Maran Fellaini now does he I assume he brings in Ander Herrera who is a more destructive player so I think it could be a bit of a war of attrition um, Saturday lunchtime and I think you say you think Manchester United will win I I think the draw is one here I think bookmakers are struggling to split them and, and I'm struggling to split them you mentioned the bookmakers. United are eight to five with Ladbrokes uh, to pick up a win at Anfield. Thirty-three to twenty for Liverpool to win. Twenty-three to ten for the draw. So as you say, all very even. We mentioned Liverpool's defence as their weak point. I think everybody agrees that it is. But not Jurgen Klopp doesn't. Jurgen Klopp thinks um, goal scoring is their weak point. Yeah, possibly. Which they create a hell of a lot of chances and they miss a hell of a lot of chances. Do, yeah. okay. Well. We'll talk about um, Liverpool again shortly, but United, defensively, as I say, we mentioned Liverpool's defence is maybe a weak point. United's defence, I don't think, has really been tested so far this season. They've almost had it easy, or that's what it feels like um, to myself. Um, Do we think this Liverpool front line, knowing that what they can offer, what they can create, even if they're not scoring are going to cause major problems for United? They'll cause problems um, to that four-man defence. What it will depend on is if Jose Mourinho decides he wants to sit his midfield on top of them and sit back and then those three, four Liverpool attackers, whoever they may be, will effectively be up against six and at times seven or eight players. Um, I can see Mourinho going in that direction. I think it'll say a lot about him and what he thinks of his side, whether he gives United that licence to attack or whether it is a very much a defence first job um, I would never underestimate um, the capability of Jose Mourinho to go there and just make a game horrible make it boring um, You know, go and keep a clean sheet, the difference is this year with Manchester United, so last year he did exactly that, he went to Anfield, came out with a 0-0, this year the difference is United have got that ruthlessness up front as well and you could easily see them nicking a goal um, so that's why I quite fancy them. Well, the interesting thing last year was it ended nil-nil, and Liverpool dominated the ball and had a lot of shots on goal. But the best chance of the actual game fell to Manchester United. Yeah. I remember Ibrahimovic missing. Uh, he was clear on goal, great cross from Pogba, and where Ibrahimovic would usually at least hit the target, if not score, he got it horribly wrong and put it wide. Is this one of the few remaining Premier League fixtures which actually is? When I say exciting to watch, like you really look forward to it. But like the old Arsenal United games, you used to really look forward to, and this because of the rivalry, the feistiness. Um, does this game still have that edge? Um, unlike maybe a lot of other Premier League, still games? has that edge. But I think you've been un- unfair. I think there are a lot of big games that you look forward to and think there's going to be a good quality, but a bit of needle on show as well. I think I think, I think it's probably the biggest fixture. In English football, still I think two. I'd, I'd agree with that. Uh, yeah, mm. but yeah, as Alex says, you know, yeah, I love Arsenal, Spurs. Mm. I love Spurs, West Ham, Spurs, love, Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea, Arsenal. Just yeah. love football. Man City, yeah. Man United. <laughs> yeah. No, Man City, Man United is actually uh, still some time away. Uh, I'd be interested if to see City United clash now. But mentioning City, uh, top of the table, um, doing well, still doing well, and you'd fully expect them to carry on their form this. Weekend, they are at home to Stoke. Um, no problems as far as I'm aware. City international break, uh, unless I've completely missed one. Um, well, Sergio Aguero, 
But I mean, I, I said international break. There was, there was yeah. already gone. And he, and he might be back this weekend. Yeah. Good luck, Stoke. <laughs> I mean, even without Aguero, I mean, City is just phenomenal, aren't they? I mean, you wouldn't want to come up against Gabriel Jesus as a lone striker. Never mind with Sergio. He's Aguero got two more for Brazil in midweek. Um, at his old stadium, um, Palmeiras. He's absolutely brilliant. I think. Mm. I think his movement, his explosive runs in the penalty area, his, his ability to get that scrappy little finish and a little toe ahead of a defender. He's an excellent all-round centre-forward. Do, do we reckon with City there's a chance that, until they play United at the start of December, where uh, you mentioned Jose Mourinho doing ugly jobs on, on teams, that's probably what he'd do on, on City. Is there a chance we could see City go unbeaten until that point, and if not beyond, or do we think City are going to slip up maybe along the way I think they look a lot more secure I think this time last year I think they had quite a similar record they started really well and ended up falling off but I think they look they look different to me already this year to, to what they did last year uh, they look a lot more secure wouldn't be at all surprised if they reached that Manchester United game unbeaten um, but you know United, they're unbeaten as well so who's to say they both won't be and you know what, what a fixture that could turn out to be but yeah you know, just carry on Manchester City I think I think we've said the same thing for the last few weeks, that just how good they are, how many brilliant players they have, and Pep Guardiola's got them playing in that in that style that he's so famed for, and uh, it's difficult to see them not picking up at least one, and if not several, trophies this season. I think the thing, um, their last Premier League game was Chelsea away, obviously, and that was the big test. Yeah. Are they defensively secure? Passed it with flying colours. Yeah. They were brilliant. Yeah. I, mean, I wonder whether City maybe would have thought the international break came at a bad time for them because they've had that real morale boosting win and it's only like morale boosting win and then all disappear and then when they come back they've got to kind of build up that same spirit again it, maybe the international break came at a, a bad time for I them. think you can say that about any team that's winning games on a regular basis though any time that you are in a run where you're racking up four, five, six wins not losing games you just want to get out and play again. You and just I want think, to keep playing. And I think it's a nice fixture then to come back as well. You know, it's a home win. Yeah. Well, you say that Stoke have well, they are the one and only team to take points off Manchester United this season. Obviously, it was at the Britannia as opposed to away from home. Fourteen to one, you can get on Stoke uh, to come away from the Etihad with a victory. Tempting at all at such a big price. No, not for me. Not for me. I I think Stoke, are, they're playing some good football, but they don't have a regular goal scorer. And I think that there's a lot of mercurial forwards there who have really good days but can have off days as well. Um, Jordan Shakiri being a prime example. He, was, he may as well have not played for Switzerland in their big game against Portugal in midweek. He was awful. Um, and I... Not sure that Stoke, that Stoke side doesn't have the same resolute defence that it had under Tony Pulis previously. They've changed the way they operate under Mark Hughes. Um, so as you say, I think it's a City home win nailed on. Absolutely. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday, Tottenham uh, will look to keep up the pressure on the top, on the, the leading group, when they host Bournemouth, uh, where the Premier League attendance record... Uh, is set to be broken uh, as they, they can actually fill up Wembley. Uh, now I'm not sure what the what's changed, um, but you know they, they can fill the whole stadium. Who'd have thought the Premier League attendance record would be broken at a game involving Bournemouth? <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty remarkable stat. Um, Spurs, though, um, do we fully expect their well, their fans to get their their money's worth from Spurs this weekend? You see, ordinarily we'd all be saying yes, but there's just still that's, that that's little. Season, that's a home yeah, win. exactly. 100%. But there's still this little nagging thing at the back of your mind. They still haven't shaken off this these Wembley Blues, and I don't, um, I don't think they've won at Wembley in the Premier in League. the Premier League no. yet, have they? No. no, they they did an excellent job on Brushy Dortmund. Um, they, you know, largely a counter-attacking job, but they, they got the win. Um, look, I think Spurs will win. I think we all think Spurs will win, but there is that slight nagging thing at the back of your mind saying you know are they going to go out there and, and perform like they did against Burnley perform like they did against Chelsea and, and not, not get over the line they've got Harry Kane banging form and Bournemouth like to play an open kind of game he'll get chances Spurs will get chances 
I think they finally get that win. This could again. this could be the game to really sort of banish them. You know, they they could quite plausibly go out and hammer Bournemouth, and if they do, then you know that might be the game they need to shake off those blues. Fair enough. Uh, Fourteen to one once again. Uh, another price. Bournemouth. See, See, Bournemouth being the same price at Tottenham as Stoke are at Manchester City, I'd definitely be rather be back in Bournemouth. No, no, absolutely. But you still won't be back. No, I still won't be back in them. No. <laughs> I mean, is there a case for Bournemouth that they, they are in? They've hit a little bit of form now because obviously they started atrociously. Uh, they have goal scorers in the team who, all right, they might, might not be hitting the levels of consistency, but you know, Defoe, King. There's a chance they might nick one. You can make a case for them nicking one, certainly. Um, but Spurs, you can make a case for them scoring 3-4-5 yeah. against this Bournemouth defence. They should have enough. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast. And this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Uh, Another team in and around the mix uh, for the top four that I really didn't think I'd be speaking about uh, at this point of the season is Burnley. Burnley, obviously, I mean, it's, it's the waveform I think that has got Burnley to this position. Uh, they're at home to West Ham this weekend, who I think, from the complete opposite end of the spectrum, have been largely uh, disappointing. Burnley, uh, surprise package so far. He's done. He's done a tremendous job, Sean Dyche. I think we say this every time. He has really got that side punching above their weight. Um, was it Everton they won at before the international break? Yeah. Um, another three points on the road. They've taken eight points, I think it is now, off Everton, Chelsea, um, Spurs away, and another away game where they weren't expecting Liverpool. Yeah. So they're doing really well in those sorts of games where they are the underdog and they can play their style of defending deep and then counter-attacking quickly. Um, I think this is a different kind of game for them. I think they'll be expected to be a bit more proactive against West Ham, who got themselves a win last time out and relieve some pressure on Slavin Bilic but if he doesn't get anything at Turf Moor that pressure will be straight back on top of him Absolutely um, I'm going to leave it there on Burnley simply because I want to talk a bit more about Sean Dyche uh, a little later on uh, and I'll come back to that uh, Crystal Palace against Chelsea also on Saturday um, this is Roy Hodgson's fourth game in charge still not scored a goal can't really see it changing can we? Uh, they might score a goal. I don't think they will. They could do though. Uh, <laughs> but I think uh, I think it's an away win. Whether Powers get one or not, I think um, you know, Chelsea should have too much, even without Alvaro Morata, which is obviously a, a big loss for them. I think, but I still think Chelsea will have enough. I think the interest for this game is what did Chelsea do without Morata? Does Michi Batshuayi start up front? Does he go with Hazard, Pedro, and Willian, or Hazard, Pedro, and Fabregas? Uh, knowing Galo Kante as well. Yeah, that's so a big loss, that's for, a big loss well. for Chelsea. It'll be an interesting game. Um, Palace have got to get something at some point. They're not going to go the whole season not scoring a goal and not getting anything. So, I think Roy Hodgson. He's had some time with his players on the training ground now. He knows more about them. They'll know more about what is wanted from him. I think we'll see an improved Palace performance this weekend. Um, whether that's enough. You've still got. I think Chelsea will be too too clever, too quick, too good for them. Do we class Chelsea as in the same bracket of teams as United and City? Are they well and truly title contenders, or are they missing something that the two Manchester teams don't have? I th- I think they're title contenders. Um, I think the defeat at home to City was a big blow, but I still think they'll be up there at the end of the season. Yeah. I think they're contenders, um, but. Those are two big injuries, and if they're without them for any sustained period of time, that that could really hinder them. But it's a nice game tomorrow for them. Yeah, uh, if you're brave enough, yeah, if you are brave enough to back Crystal Palace, uh, fifteen to two with Ladbrokes, uh, five to two on uh, for the away win, uh, and Chelsea 
if you fancy that. Uh, there are two other games uh, taking place on Saturday. Swansea take on Huddersfield. Um, two teams who probably could do with a win at this point. Um, slipping into the, well, Huddersfield slipping into the bottom half of the table. Swansea haven't really been able uh, to get anything going there. But this should be a pretty good football match because you know, both managers set the teams up to play uh, attractive football. It should be. Um, I've been disappointed with Swansea so far. Don't really... Um you say they're set up to play attractive football, but I don't really know what that style is anymore under Paul Clement. He's, he's changed things around. He's gone to a three at the back at times. He's gone to a four at the back. He's had them shutting up shop and trying to hit on the counter. He's had them trying to be expansive and keeping the ball and attacking teams. Um, I've, I've got a sneaky little feeling that Huddersfield this weekend, with the way they play, the way they just go full pelt and try and are so direct on the attack... I think there will be space for them to exploit and I think that's similar to how Watford got a win at Swansea I think you could see Huddersfield walk away at three points this weekend Absolutely um, I mentioned Renato Sanchez I know we've talked about him on the past in this, this podcast he's probably missing uh, through injury this weekend uh, so fantasy football managers uh, sort that one out in your teams uh, Alex you've watched a lot of German football uh, before so you'll know probably a little bit more than the rest of us about Sanchez. Why do you think it's not quite got off to a flying start in in England before? Him? I just think he's he's struggling to find his place in that team at the moment. I think um, I think a lot's built up around how how good he is, but I think there's a lot more. He's got to mature. Is the big thing. He's he's a very young player, and he's he's got to grow, and he's got to start figuring out what he is. You know, he's, he's a ball of energy at times it is misplaced you know you see him put passes out of play and his head will drop he's got he's got to as I say he's got to mature uh, until he does he will not fulfil what is vast potential if there's a player in there can Paul Clement unlock it we'll find out over the course of the season um, he's disappointed so far so his absence could strengthen Swansea this weekend bringing in somebody a bit more composed in the midfield If uh, you do fancy Swansea to win uh, 23 uh, to 20 uh, Huddersfield at 11 to 4 with Ladbrokes as it stands uh, I think you can make decent cases uh, both ways uh, for that fixture so 2 to 1 on the draw uh, if you can't separate them uh, Last game on Saturday is Watford against Arsenal uh, Arsenal obviously had a bit of a resurgence, they're back in the mix for the top 4 after a uh, a fairly decent run, uh, but Watford have been pretty handy this season. Um, are Arsenal going to carry on this kind of impressive run? I think, although Arsenal picking up results, their performances weren't amazing. Um, I think this is a, quite a difficult game for Arsenal. Watford have been very impressive. Um, I think they're they're just a good football team. Watford, I think, they've recruited very well in the summer. They've got a good manager, and and they will be very good at home. So. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Arsenal slip up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Olivier Giroud um, impressed for France uh, during the week, or I want to say impressed. He popped up at the right moments. Um, is it time he's maybe given a few more starts for Arsenal, or is Super Sub his role there? I think it's his role now with Alexander Lacazette there. Yeah. Um, Lacazette's obviously he's done the business at home. He has yet to score an away goal for the Gunners. Um, but Giroud's role is very much his understudy. You you haven't paid sixty million plus to bring in Lacazette for him to not be playing week in week out. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Arsenal uh, thirteen to eight on uh, to pick up a win at Vicarage Road uh, with four to one uh, on the home win. Uh, given the way Watford have started, is four to one a tempting price? I think it's a good price. That yeah, very very good price considering that you do you trust this Arsenal defence? Not at all. And they're missing Mustafi this weekend as yeah. well. Yeah. So no. you can make a case for a Watford win. They've got goals in them. Yeah. Top uh, half team Watford. I think at home they, they'll be they'll be fancying at least a point. And they pick up results away. Yeah. No. A remarkable job that Marco Silva's done since coming to the Premier League. Obviously with Hull, not quite managing to keep him up, but uh, really proving his worth um, in that respect. Uh, on to Sunday. Brighton against Everton. There's a bit of added interest around this fixture because of Ronald 
Koeman's future, and we've spoke about Ronald Koeman in the past. If if Everton don't win, do we believe that it's uh, it's him out the door, or or is he pretty much out the door anyway? I think if he was going to be sacked in the immediate future, it would have happened during the international break. Um, I guess he's got the chance to to save himself. But they are the big disappointment of the season so far for me. I think if Everton go there and lose, uh, it's a long way back for him. Um, I think we alluded to this a little bit last week. The, the performance is very important as well as the result. <clears throat> you know, a, a poor performance and a, a one-nil win won't win back the Everton fans. They need to go there and do a thoroughly professional job and play very well and get the result. Um, if they if they don't play well and they don't get the result, I think that will be curtains. It's going to be tough for them. This is, this is the sort of game Brighton are building their season on. At home against anyone outside of that top six, these games are ones that Chris Hewton will have earmarked that they need to get three points from. So they'll be going for the win. Um, it could be a very difficult afternoon for Everton. Absolutely. Uh, Ronald Koeman is still overwhelmingly the next... Well, favourite to be the next Premier League manager sacked 7-4 uh, on um, for that to happen now if he was to be sacked um, a little look now uh, at a few of the odds around who could be the next Everton manager, David Unsworth uh, at 6-1 Carlo Ancelotti, 9-1 uh, David Wagner, Eddie Howe and Sean Dyche, 12-1 Chris Coleman, 14-1 Duncan Ferguson, 14-1 uh, I want to pick out Dice, hence why I mentioned him earlier. Given how well his Burnley team are playing, and given what he's done on such a limit, you know, limited resources at Burnley, Everton, a bit more to spend. Could this be the perfect job for Sean Dice? Or could he be the perfect manager for Everton to take them forward? I think that after the job he's done at Burnley, it would be the natural progression for him. Um, the thing with. Dyche's style of play is, you know, I've heard heard Ian Wright mention that he is a potential Arsenal manager, but you can't imagine getting the chance at Arsenal unless he goes to a club like Everton and proves himself there. Um, the thing with his style of play is that obviously Burnley are very, they sit back and they look to hit on the counter attack. Um, they're very direct. They concede more shots than anyone else in the Premier League. They make more blocks in their own penalty area than anyone else in the Premier League. It's a completely different style of play to the way the top teams will set up. Sort of thing David Moyes had a problem with going from Everton to Man United. Whether Dyche can translate his methods to working with better players and to having to win games each week rather than seeking not to lose. It's a different kettle of fish. Um, so in that respect Everton is probably, if he ever wants to get a top, top job, one of the jobs that will have him competing in the Champions League, then Everton is the perfect stepping stone towards that. But then, his, how would he relate to this Everton squad when you've got the likes of Gilfie Sigurdsson, Wayne Rooney, a number of players who aren't really centre-forwards, they're kind of, they want to be number 10s, and he's got to work them into a structure. Because his Burnley team is all about structure. Every player knows their roles. Could he do that with the likes of Rooney and Sigurdsson at Everton? Would they be able to take on his methods and perform? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, out of the other names there in, in that group, uh, Unsworth is the favourite. That I mean, he's had a long history with the club, but maybe doesn't have the Premier League managerial uh, potential. Ancelotti uh, available. Do, do, we, do we think Ancelotti could end up at Everton? Is, or is that just a, a step down too far for, for him? I just don't think he really needs that job. No. He, yeah. he, he will go to one of the glamour clubs of Europe when they come calling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Coleman was also on that list. Uh, not quite sure where his future lies, whether it still will be uh, at Wales given the, the failed attempt to qualify for the World Cup I think uh, if it came up he'd be keen on it Yeah, I think if it, if the phone call was made I don't think he would hesitate in walking away from Wales to take the Everton job This is a man as well who has got the best out of Ashley Williams 
over the past few years, and uh, and it's been nice after the start of the season he's had. Uh, it, it might it might be a, a good move for Ashley Williams as well if if Coleman was uh, was to come in. Uh, just a little predictions: Brighton versus Everton. Uh, who do we think is going to uh, going to come away with that one? Home win. Yeah, home win for me as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I actually think Everton are much better than the current form has suggested. I, I think away when I think they'll they'll go there and they'll they'll do all right. That will be music to the ears of a certain Dutchman. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there are two other Premier League games taking place. Uh, Southampton versus Newcastle is the 4 p.m. kickoff uh, on Sunday. Um, Odds on Southampton. Odds on again at home. Just another thing on that as well. I think I think this is the third time this season now that I've mentioned this. Newcastle get horrible trips on a Sunday. <laughs> so I think they've been to Swansea, Swansea, Brighton, and now Southampton all on a Sunday afternoon. Man, their fans must be fuming. Yeah. At least they're not a football league team and having to make it in midweek yeah, on purpose. True. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> that's a that's a different. Yeah, it's, uh, Southampton. Anyway, uh, whether it's down to the journey or whether it's down just because, you know, I mean, they don't score, they don't concede, they just, they're, they're just there this season. Southampton. Uh, they are an odds-on favourite to nab uh, a victory from if, that if, one. If they're an odds-on favourite, I'm looking at Newcastle over draw on a double chance. Yeah. You can't trust Southampton. I've said it before. I don't trust them at all. There we go. Um, uh, Leicester versus West Brom will round off the weekend on Monday Night Football. Um, a fixture which actually has been. On paper, you know, looks pretty bang Meh. average, but um, it's been all right in the past, hasn't it? I think last season was it the season before the championship season. Leicester went to the Hawthorns and won three two in an absolute cracker, and there was there's also been a two 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 at the King Power. Um, yeah. They tend to comes as a surprise, maybe they tend to play some really good games between one another. Yeah, no. Uh, West Brom have been handy this season as well. Obviously, uh, Leicester have plenty of firepower, uh, but that is what rounds off the weekend on Monday night football. Uh, we're going to go down a tier uh, now, quickly and briefly run over the championship as we always do. No doubt, which um, kind of which game is the the biggest in the championship this weekend? And it has to be uh, Wolves, who remain as the title favourites against Aston Villa, who are very much the the form side in the championship um also a bit of a derby as well um wolves are they good enough to stop this villa team i think so they're certainly good enough um if you speak to villa fans yes they're winning games now yes their results have picked up and yes they are rising up the league but they're not particularly enamored with the way they've been playing um apparently there's been a fair bit of luck involved and they haven't really dominated teams I think they beat Bolton who were by some distance the worst side in that league um, last time out 1-0 thanks to a penalty um, I think Steve Bruce will go to Molyneux and will set his team up to defend and plan the counter attack I think he'll let Wolves have a lot of the ball which is the way Wolves like to play Um I think what it will come down to is whether Wolves are clinical in the final third. At times they can overplay and at times they, for the amount of possession they have, sometimes perhaps they don't create enough chances. Um, But they have been absolutely brilliant so far this season for the most part. A couple of poor results in the games that were really the bigger games, Um, Cardiff at home and Sheffield United away were their two massive tests and they were beaten in both um, so it's going to be a fierce battle um, we'll have to wait and see I've, I think Wolves have the edge in terms of being the better side but it's a Villa side packed full of experience the likes of John Terry James Chester Glenn Whelan um, it'll be intriguing Yeah, uh, evens you can get on Wolves to get a victory at home which it's tempting. tempting. It's tempting you, James. Mm, no, I was actually thinking that was quite short. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. What were they? Uh, 13 to 5. I think that's tempting. Nearly 3 to 1. On fire. Good side. Yeah. Taking Villa. There we go. Uh, also, at the top end of the championship, uh, Cardiff travel to 
Birmingham. Uh, I keep thinking with Cardiff when I look at them, they're going to drop off. They're going to drop off. They're going to fall away. They're still top. Are they going to fall away? I don't see them finishing the top two, but I think they probably will be top six. Um, they've got an annoyingly good manager who just knows how to get things done in that league. He's done it time and time again. Um, and they've got, they've got some, some handy players. You know, I think one game that sticks in my mind is when, when Sheffield Wednesday went there and um, played them off the park pretty much, took, took a lead and looked like they were going to pr- cruise to victory. And Cardiff popped up with an equaliser and they seem to do that quite a lot, whether it be equalisers or winners. Did a, did a fantastic job on Leeds uh, in South Wales. They're, they're top on merit. Uh, 13-10 to 10 on Cardiff to get a victory at Birmingham. That game taking place on Friday night. Uh, it is also Cottrell, uh, Steve Cottrell's first game um, as Birmingham manager. Um, do we think he's the right man uh, for Birmingham? Um, and you know, can, can Birmingham be challenging higher up the table? I think it's a difficult job for whoever was handed it. Um, that decision to get rid of Gary Rowett 11, worst, 10, 11 months ago you know whatever went on behind the scenes um, to get them to that point it's been a miserable time since and they've just fallen away from where he had them competing for the playoff places they were hammered at Hull in the last game and I mean hammered they were taken to pieces um, I think Cardiff will fancy going there and winning if Birmingham get a point I think that's a decent start for, for Steve Cottrell Think about how many players are they bringing on deadline day? Is it seven? Yes. It's, it's difficult, really difficult for a team to gel that quick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, championship title odds uh, as we stand. Wolves are favourite still, seven to four. Cardiff five to one. Then you go into Villa eights, Fulham nines, Middlesbrough tenths. Uh, I know we, we've talked about Middlesbrough uh, on here in the past. Uh, d- at tens now, uh, is that really tempting? Do we do we, do we think they're they're gonna they're gonna get back in there? They're still the team. I I. Picked at the start of the season to win the league. Um, I I do wonder about Gary Monk as a as a manager. I think he's got this reputation for being a good manager, which perhaps is a little undeserved. He did a, he did a, a decent enough job at Swansea. He did a decent job at Leeds, but then they capitulated though. Exactly, like they, that they was had, the problem. They had a, they had a top six place sewn up, and the way they collapsed it in last season was. Little short of embarrassing to be honest, and you know I think he's sort of come out of it smelling the roses a little bit, and I'm not entirely sure why. Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned uh, Leeds anyway. Leeds uh, against Reading this weekend. That's a big game for Leeds because they were they were terrible at Hillsborough before the international break, really poor. And um, you know for, for them, they they really need to bounce back with three points I think to get the fans back on side. They've started the season really well. They've been in a. I think actually. Um, did a piece on how well they were doing and since then I think they've lost three and four ah well we all know to play them then <laughs> just something about the lead psyche I think more so <laughs> than my writing um, but they're playing Reading who after missing out in the playoffs last season they've had a really disappointing start um, they were perhaps great overachievers last season in terms of getting to the playoff final despite I think there was a number of games where if you look at the stats Rather than the score suggested, you know how how have they come out of that game with three points? Um, I think they've kind of been found out a little bit. They they were pretty boring to watch Reading last year. Is it, or am I doing them a disservice? You, you don't get points I, for style, I, but yeah. you, I don't think you're wrong. No, fair enough. Right, that is almost us done uh, this week for the podcast. But before we go, um, we all of us like a flutter. We we like a little gamble. Um, we've all picked out uh, a treble uh, this weekend. I've lost hopefully, mine. Hopefully, that we. we I found it. Hopefully, we're going to make some more. Al- Alex has found his, so while he's got his uh, at hand, uh, Alex, uh, what have you picked out for us today? I've gone for three championship games. Um, Middlesbrough at Barnsley. I've gone for Middlesbrough, um, seventeen to twenty. Sheffield Wednesday at Bolton. Good win for Wednesday last time. Bolton are miserable. Mm. And Norwich at home to Hull. Hull either seem to batter teams or get battered. I think they've scored by far the most goals in that league and I think their defence is 
possibly second in terms of goals conceded only to Bolton. Mm. Um, so I've gone for a home win for Norwich. Pays mm. out at just under six to one. I have taken Chelsea to win at Palace as my absolute banker. That's just a shade under three to one on. Uh, taken Burnley to beat West Ham at thirteen to eight. I think this West Ham side's got a pretty soft underbelly and Burnley's not a nice place to go for teams like that. And uh, I've, like Alex, I've taken Sheffield Wednesday at Bolton, even money. Uh, Bolton yet to win a game this season. They did beat Wednesday in the Cup at the Reebok, sorry, the Macron, earlier this season. Um, It'll but, always be a Reebok. <laughs> but I, uh, I fancy the Owls to, um, to, to pick up three points there. And that pays just over 6-1. to one. Lovely. Um, if you fancy uh, kind of an adventure into the world of unknown, uh, it is FA Cup fourth qualifying round uh, this weekend. Uh, non-league teams fight battling for the a place. If you've switched off at this point, no one's blaming you. <laughs> we should get a gong for when you wedge non-league in. I, I have to do it every week, but my treble comes from all three games from the FA Cup fourth qualifying round. Oh, in fact, no, no, they don't. So two of the three from the North uh, FA Cup fourth qualifying round. I've got Scarborough um, to beat Hyde. Um, I've got Eastleigh to beat Hereford and from the National League North Darlington to win away at Nuneaton uh, that can, that tough place to go Nuneaton it's not this season uh, <laughs> it's really not um, it's what was a fortress has turned into something more of a bouncy castle 9-1 uh, to one you can get on that um, so uh, yeah, that's my, my non-league advice and that is us done uh, for this week uh, we'll be back next week to preview another round of Premier League fixtures and we'll back on all the action uh, so until then uh, enjoy the weekend's action How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast and this is a Staycast from Acast we're all following the government's advice right now we're staying in it's a little bit cocooning but it's all working So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out.